Welcome, Wildcats, to Weaver State Weekly. I'm your host, a man who consistently reminds people on Twitter that Waldo Wildcat is a national champion, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who sends about three-quarters of his recent tweets to as scheduling requests to Weaver State Athletics, Mr. Sean Lewis. Coach Prime in Ogden, Breen Jackson State here, Tim Crompton, you know what to do. <laughs> love Would love to see it. Uh, next, we have a man who reminds people on Twitter that he spends his days golfing and you don't AC. That's right. That doesn't necessarily mean I enjoy it. I went today and it was rough. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a love hate relationship with the with the links. <laughs> and finally, a man whose Twitter feed reminds people of the Bonneville Salt Flats. Mr. John King. It's barren and desolate and I'm not very entertaining. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you all being here on today's show. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Big Sky comeback. We're got, we've got on the horn Weber State beat writer Brett Hine from the Standard Examiner to talk about um, what we learned from Wednesday's NCAA meeting and what it means for Big Sky sports, both in the fall and potentially in the spring. We'll also be uh, playing a little couple of games in this episode. We're going to be playing a game called This or That. We'll be asking our panel that we give them two choices. and They have to choose this or that and explain why. And finally, we're going to be playing another game called Over Under. We're going to give our panel a number, and they have to choose whether they take the over or the under and tell us why. But first, we want to remind everyone, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, whether that's through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. It's a great way to stay in the loop for all the things Weber State Weekly happening up on campus and elsewhere. And if you haven't already, please tell your friends. Uh, we'd love to grow the the podcast following, and the best way to do that is for you to tell other wildcat friends that you have that we exist and finally we're on social media if you haven't found us on twitter that's the best place to to do that but also facebook instagram weber state weekly exists over there so give us a follow and stay in the loop all right now we want to bring in weber state beat writer for the standard examiner mr brett hein to talk a little bit about a big ncaa meeting that happened on wednesday last week and what it means for fall sports in the spring brett hein welcome to weber state weekly Always, it's it's great to be with you, Mr. Colby Peterson. Yeah, I was going to say, always, I should, always my pleasure. I should have said, welcome back to Weber State Weekly, Brett Hein. He's our first repeat guest, so that this is an honor. Somebody, I think what we got to do is we got to make him uh, like a some kind of wrestling belt or some kind of trophy and take it over to his, his standard examiner office and say, here you go, first repeat guest on Weber State Weekly. This one's for you. I would I would cherish and treasure that. Uh, most most definitely i would show it off <laughs> awesome well brett we wanted to um talk a little bit about the story that you wrote in the standard uh about like we said and the ncaa providing guidelines to the conferences on how to restart fall sports and what some of that looks like and so we just wanted to start the conversation by asking kind of what the biggest takeaways you thought were from last wednesday's meeting yeah so the especially as far as weaver state is concerned I mean, I guess I don't know what the biggest takeaway is, but because there was, <laughs> they they just decided here they're going to dump every every single thing they could possibly dump out about fall and winter sports. But obviously, the kind of the first big thing that we all missed was was football. Uh, as far as football goes, the FCS playoffs got one step closer to. I guess it really just needs like a, a rubber stamp, a final approval, uh, to have a, a playoff the playoff plan. Cause that, that was really the first thing when, when the big sky decided to postpone and uh, you know, like Brad Mortensen told me like, yeah, we're the spring season is definitely a thing. We're not just waiting around to see what happens. Like 
we were trying to get everyone involved to get the NCAA to have a spring playoff. <clears throat> and so now we're, we're kind of to that point. Uh, there's a plan for the, the FCS playoffs, um, dates, how many teams, all that stuff. And so now everyone, every FCS conference can start to, or I guess complete their, their scheduling plans and how they want to, how they want to manage their spring season, what they want that to look like. Uh, and so that they can participate in the playoff. That's probably the, the biggest one that I would say, especially since we're, you know, you, you can turn on the TV and still see college football being played in, in some parts of the country. So that should be a big one. Hopefully the, the kind of the excitement and anticipation that the people had for the 2020 season can still kind of come to fruition in some way, uh, you know, starting in, you know, February, I guess it would be. Hey, hey Brett, taking off that theme right here, uh, the big takeaway for me on Wednesday was the reduction in the playoff from 24 to 16 teams. Um, can you give us some insight on how that affects the teams in the big sky where there aren't as many at-large bids uh, available for the teams such as Weber State? That makes that eight-game regular season way more important to get your business done, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to want to go. <laughs> you're probably going to want to go seven and one at the least uh, to, to get in, to make sure you're in. I guess the good thing about being in the big sky is that it has the reputation of being you know one of the top conferences. So uh, I would guess that the Big Sky would be kind of in line to maybe get more at-large consideration than maybe some other conferences. But at the same time, uh, part of that that plan that was uh, kind of approved, I guess uh, almost approved, needs to, the board of directors has to approve it. The, who who put out all the scheduling and calendar information was the Division One Council. They're they're different bodies, and if you let me click around enough, I can tell you the difference. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there. Part of what they put out was that teams who are playing in the fall, like uh, there are teams like Central Arkansas, is probably, if my memory serves, probably the the biggest or the best program who is playing games in the fall. That those will count towards playoff consideration. Uh, but nobody in the Big Sky is playing non-conference games in the fall, and the the plan is for teams to play up to eight games in the spring. And I would imagine in the Big Sky that would not include any non-conference games uh, because there's, you know, 13 teams and they, they don't play everyone anyway in a normal season. So I, I doubt, I, I very much expect that to be a conference only schedule uh, just in the last hour or so. Uh, Pizza Mel Yahoo Sports has been talking about uh, how close the Mountain West is to returning. Uh, and there's a lot of big sky teams, as Weaver State included, that had a, a Mountain West team on their schedule. And the Mountain West, I guess, is going to play in the fall now. So there's not really going to be anyone to play non-conference. All that kind of factors in, but the big sky does have a reputation. So as long as you take mostly take care of your business, I think that, you know, if Weaver State is as good as, uh, you know, I would expect them to be, then then they're going to get in uh, unless something disastrous happens. But but it is, it is uh, quite a different it takes out an entire round of, of the playoffs um, just kind of starts in this, the normal sure. second round. So, and I think they're trying to mitigate how many teams, how many games people play because they want to turn around and have another season in the fall in some way. So it makes perfect uh, but yeah, sense. I, I, I think at least Weber state should, should be in okay shape. Uh, I don't, I don't imagine that they would leave much up to chance, but 
I'll yeah, there could be at the end here um, that I that I tweeted out that uh, I'd invite Austin P or Central Arkansas to, to Ogden after that game that they had uh, on August 29th. Fantastic opening to the fall college football season. Thanks. Brad. Yeah, those are those are a pair of good teams. And that's the thing with the pairing the playoffs down is there's going to be good teams left out. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be uh, uh, even more so in college football than normal. And every every week is going to matter. Well, Brett, I was going to ask, with in terms of the schedule, like you said, it's probably going to be more just a conference schedule. There won't be a, as many non-conference games, if any. Does that does do those eight games look pretty much the way that they might have looked in the fall? Uh, will the schedule get rearranged because of travel considerations? Like, what what do we know thus far about how schedules might look in the spring? Yeah, I don't. We don't know much at this point. Um, I would imagine what, the one thing you brought up is is I would imagine that they would try to get as many teams as many you know in the in the eight games that you get you play the teams that are most geographically close to you if uh, let's say this if i was involved in it i would say who cares what the previous schedule was we we need to redo this and because everyone was playing yeah i mean you you play eight games normally but you know there's there's still an outside chance that maybe not everyone participates uh who really knows you know we are I don't know if you were like me. I thought by the time we got to September that we'd have things a little more under control. Uh, and apparently uh, there's not enough adults in this country, so we can't really have nice things. But so there's I, there's a chance that maybe California schools or Portland State or maybe they can't participate. Who knows? Can I follow um, up on that? That, that just, all factors in. Just for a quick second. And, and the, the thought of that, we saw when the SEC released their schedule and then when the Big Ten released their schedule, the SEC definitely protected their big names, right? Uh, we saw that the Alabamas and and Auburns of the world got uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt on their schedule when they revised it. Uh, we saw when the Big Ten released their schedule uh, that Ohio State gets to play Nebraska uh, week one, and everybody just kind of figures that that's a, a slap to Nebraska for being the whiny kids uh, during during the pandemic and during the suspension there. Um, do you see the big sky maybe taking that page out and saying, look, we've got teams like Weber State where we want to protect them for the playoffs. Maybe we don't make them go to Montana, which, you know, maybe would have been on on the table this year. Um, it's, you know, the, those tougher games and to try to avoid that to help them get into the playoffs to the schedule makers help uh, when they revise the schedule there. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a good point because uh, normally, like basically, how scheduling works is it's a random rotation. Uh, every team has two protected rivalries, I guess is what you what they call them. Uh, so Weber State's or Southern Utah and Idaho State; those are two teams yep. that they play every year, and yeah. everyone else rotates. <laughs> I, I think that was that Colby's enthusiasm for those those. Uh, "Quote unquote rivalries." I'm just so tired of kicking the crap out of the Bengals every season. Like, give me something else, please. I, I, mean, I think a future segment is uh, split the Big Sky football and and how would you divide the conference into? But that's a, that's a story for another day. I do like playing SUU every year, though. I will I will say that, and I will be down in Cedar City for this year's game or next year's game. Yeah. So, like, normally it's uh it's like a rotation, and it's like uh, they try and everyone wants to play Montana because they sell tickets and. So as long as everyone's playing Montana, there's not too much time in between when they play Montana and everything else is just a rotation. It's just kind of like, well, you know, that's the rotation. There is a possibility that, you know, there could be some hand selection of matchups and 
uh, yeah, do you try to get all the good teams to play each other so you know who's really best? Uh, and so that the team that's taking your automatic bid is for sure your best team, or I don't know how you do that. Or yeah, do you well, uh, try to protect a few teams and <laughs> that, and get that, more teams into the playoffs? Because that could backfire because, you know, you could just have like a round robin where people are just beating each other up, you know, sort of a little bit like last year where Weber loses to Montana, but Montana loses to Montana state and, you know, and just, it goes around and around and then nobody really can, you know, rise to the top because, Nobody truly is that dominant. Could backfire. And, I, and I, I'll correct myself. Montana was not on Weber State's fall schedule this year. No, uh, Montana we were State avoiding was, them, and we we, we want to avoid yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, Montana State. Um, Brett, I, if you don't mind, I wanted to pivot over to hoops because um, they did set a start date of November 25th for uh, the basketball season, and that we miss a, a few non-conference games in the original schedule. So I wanted to ask. Does that mean that there likely won't be a non-conference schedule? I mean, you still have three, four weeks roughly of potential non-conference play. What does it look like on the hoops side for a restart? I, I talked to Coach Ray a, a few days ago. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to touch base with with every fall and winter sports coach and just kind of see how how they have managed, uh, you know, the the quarantines and the isolations and the schedule disruptions and all that stuff. So I talked to him and uh, he said it was his expectation that, that they would just play campus games. Uh, the, the, the bubble talk had tied, had died down, but uh, CBS just today published a story where uh, there's this big effort to just create like a giant, I don't know if you'd really call it a bubble, like what the NBA has done. It would be a little different, but a place for people to go and play games in non-conference in Las Vegas. Up to 100 teams could participate. Uh, he wow. quotes Big Sky, the Big Sky Commissioner, Tom Wisterchill, saying, you know, that the, there's the Western conferences are involved in that. Uh, seems like something that would be uh, available as an option to those who needed that to get games played but as as of now i mean the, the season moves from november 10th to november 25th as much as you can you just kind of try to play whatever you had scheduled then uh after that date weaver state was supposed to play in the paradise jam in the u.s virgin islands uh the paradise jam said that they're trying to relocate uh john rothstein said they were going to play in washington dc that hasn't been made official if they happen to make that happen somehow seems likely that not every team will participate. So it, it just, I don't know if, if the basketball schedule will be really finalized until <laughs> probably, you know, the, the final week or a couple of weeks up leading up to the schedule or leading up to the season, just because there's so many moving parts and, and, you know, teams in California can't really practice. And, uh, you know, Weaver is supposed to play Fresno state and UC San Diego. Can they travel at that point? Who knows? So it's just going to be one of those things where uh, you might have to replace uh, kind of like some of the college football teams did, where you kind of replace think games on your schedule kind of uh, late in the game or on the fly and just put together what you can put together before the conference season starts. So Brad, yes, I, guess I, you have I, the... I would say there's, there's going to be a non-conference schedule in some kind. If, if, and if anybody can make it happen, they're going to make it happen. Uh, every team wants to do that. So I, I guess I'm a little bit curious now as to how the other fall sports are going to be impacted. Are we going to see non-conference schedules? Do we have any idea 
how the scheduling is going to look for those. I'm a huge Weber State volleyball fan. They've been fantastic. I got to see these ladies play again. Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> the Division One Council set a – they did set, like, a calendar for, for those teams, at least a, a season, like a season start date uh, and end date. That's It's just one of those things where you – I don't know, you have to evaluate and, and kind of decide how, how many games you want to play uh, in your conference season. And if you're going to leave room for, for teams to, to play non-conference, I would imagine, like, to me, in, in any sport, it feels like there's enough, enough like, close, like, regional stuff you can do where you could play teams, like, in your own state or that were fairly close uh, and at least get a handful of non-conference matches in and, and games. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, <clears throat> as, soon as, as soon as people think they have something figured out, then... then you know, it changes. But yeah, I mean, uh, volleyball, uh, women's soccer, cross country all got start dates in January or February. And cross country is one of those things where <laughs> uh, you, your distance runners would normally be running uh, indoor and then get ready, getting ready for the outdoor track and field season. And so are distance runners going to run all three? Are they going to skip uh, indoor track? Like there's there's just so many things to consider. On top of that, schools have to figure out how they can uh, put on these games. You know, how if you're going to host things, how are you going to do that with so many so many sports playing at the same time? Are you going to be able to handle that? In other words, uh, or are you going to have to maybe not opt out, but you know, minimize the number of of contests you have just due to uh, budget situations and and uh, what it takes to put on all those things at the same time. As you were talking, Brett, I, I just thought of myself, it, we were talking about the, the other sports, but you know, it's too bad that the beehive classic was such a flop, uh, uh, that they decided not to continue that, but you could have that scenario with all the in-state schools meeting in one spot for volleyball, for soccer, for, for basketball, and have some sort of, of tournament there that would be really effective as a non-conference tool. Uh, for those types of schools, but it's just me lamenting the loss of the Beehive Classic. I was the one fan that really enjoyed that. <laughs> well, I, I wish it was like a you know, it, it feels like more now more than ever. Like, why wouldn't? And this is if you anyone follows me on Twitter, you know that this is this is definitely a thing I think about way too much. But this season, more than ever, why wouldn't Utah play Weber State in men's basketball? Like, people just want to play games, like. You could pay you. I, I, Weber State might even do that without even a, a guarantee. They just might say, cover our, cover our bus trip and we're good. We just want to play. Um, I mean, but you're talking about some Weber, extent. It, we, we were going down to Huntsman Center to play. Yeah. I mean, got it. It just seems like why, why can't they just get together and make these solutions? We're like, yeah, there's, they have some sort of testing protocol and all the volleyball teams in Utah get together and play you know, a four or five game round robin or so that people are at least these, these players are still getting some of their season in, you know, they still get games. They still get that experience uh, where, you know, you're not necessarily flying all over the country or, or busing out to California or whatever, but at least you're getting something. It seems like, you know, like I agree, Sean, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree that it feels like there should be some collaboration there and, and, uh, working together to put your pride aside or, you know, what, what you thought your schedule might look like and just, just work together to get some games in. 
Brett, uh, we're running short on time here, but I wanted to wrap up by asking a question about spring sports. So will spring sports proceed as originally planned or will they be affected as well with everything being pushed back and, you know, staff being stretched to cover all of these sports that normally don't all happen at the same time? The plan for now would be that they play as normal. I think right now everyone's just trying to figure out how to make basketball happen. Uh, to be honest, I mean, the, the prospect of losing a second March Madness and the money associated with that would be pretty devastating to a lot of schools. So I don't know if anybody's really thought that far ahead. And, and really, like we've learned, you can't really plan that far ahead right now in life. Uh, <laughs> things just change. Uh, nothing goes the way you plan. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows what to expect, you know, once that rolls around. But uh, as of now, I mean... I would expect that, that those those seasons are they're hoping to play those on the same schedule and and just fit it all in. Yeah. Um, one last thing that you mentioned in your piece from last week, Brent, was the you talked about the 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 current dead period where there's no recruiting until January one. And so I wrote in the rundown, how does all of this affect recruiting for fall sports with the dead period extending to January 1st? Can you give us some insight on that? Like you said, even though it's difficult because things are very up and down right now, what 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 does that potentially look like? It's crazy because it's been shut down since March. So we're at that point, we'll have been almost a full year where uh, schools can't bring kids onto campus for official visits and coaches can't take official university sponsored and paid for uh you know visits out to kids where they live to see them play or or what have you the the main thing that 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 would give coaches is to just hope that they're really good at evaluating film uh (laughs) because there's there's still there's still some high school football being played right now utah is one of those states that's doing that and you know if you have you have seniors graduate or people move on. They, yeah, there's, that's a whole nother question too, is, is, uh, you know, uh, fall sports athletes can basically have a free year of eligibility if they want it in their school, if their school gives the green light on that. The NSA said that, you know, whatever, whatever fall sports you play, fall sports athletes, you can, you can get your year of eligibility back. So uh, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to, to manage the rosters and also try to recruit for, you know, your seniors to replace your seniors, who's coming in, uh, who might be coming back. Um, and you want to, you want to bring good kids and, and quality players into your program, but you can't go watch them play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of phone calls and, and a lot of film evaluation and it's it's not super fair to those athletes uh, who are you know trying to graduate high school in the class of 2021. But that's just kind of what life is right now, I guess. Right? It's just not really fair to a lot of people, um, and everyone's just trying to make the best of it. So yeah, they certainly yeah, are. That's what I would expect. They certainly are. Well, uh, Brett Hein, we want to thank you for coming on Weber State Weekly this uh, this week to explain kind of what you've learned watching the process and what we can maybe expect in the coming months uh, with college sports and COVID-19. It's a, it's a wild one, but we appreciate all the work you do over there at The Standard. If you aren't already, you know, subscribe to The Standard Examiner. That's where Brett does a lot of his reporting and uh, support those folks. He's a great writer and 
provides a lot of fodder for this show. So Brett, we appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, oh, it's, it, it feels a little daunting, but let's, let's mask up everybody. And, you know, I think we could all use some uh, college sports, some Weber state sports uh, in, you know, basketball this winter and, and football in the fall and everything else. I think, I think we'd all be better for it. Oh, could we ever can't wait to get back in the purple palace. Well, Brett, thank you so much. All right. Now we're going to be playing a a little game called this or that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give the panel uh, one option or, or another, and they can't go outside of those options. They have to pick this or that. And then they have to justify maybe a little bit about why they feel this or that is the way to go. So, Panel, we're going to start off with um, a little bit of football, of course. Uh, we're all missing Weber State football right now. And so the question to the panel is going to be this. Who is going to create more turnovers on defense this year? Will it be this, Eddie Heckard, or that, George Tarlis? All righty, so I'm going to take that on this one. I'm going to take George Tarlis. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, obviously, he's going to be around the quarterback a lot this year, and that's good. that could possibly lead to sack fumbles, which is probably the most common defensive turnover in all of football. So um, he's going to get a lot of opportunities at that. The other reason, reason being is that with the way that Jay Hill – uh, disguises defenses you're going to see the defensive end um, position dropping off in the flat which is also going to give him some ability to you know have an interception or two so just based on those two things I think George Tarlis is going to have more turnovers this year than Eddie Hacker okay AC what do you think I'm going to disagree. It's got to be my boy, Eddie Heckard. Last season, there were a couple times when he just showed that he wanted it more, and he ripped the ball out of guys' hands. He comes in on a blitz. He can get a strip sack there like John was talking about. He can drop back and get the interceptions. I got Eddie Heckard. Okay. And now, Sean? I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this one up, and, uh, and I'll admit that, that I, I'm not sure. I think it's a coin flip, right? Who's got a quarter? Let's flip it in the air, and and that's where we're going to end up. But I'm, I'm going to go with uh, – uh, you're going to make me choose. I'm going to go with Tarless. Um, for this reason only, I agree with John on the defensive end. has a little bit more opportunities. Two, I've actually walked the halls of Bora High School in Boise, Idaho. I went to summer school for there for a, a summer, my freshman year at high school. Because we have that connection, he's my guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Next, who is in more need of a good season? Is it Randy Ray or is it Coach Velada Harris? I'll take this one. I've got I've got Valeta Harris, and the reason is Randy has had enough success in the past that he's he's got a little bit of room to go before his seat his seat gets really hot. Right, Valeta Harris doesn't have that same benefit. Um, I believe in her. I think she's going to get the program turned around, and I think this year we're going to see a massive turnaround from last year. But she doesn't have she she hasn't bought that much confidence from the athletic department and the fans. So I've got Valeta Harris. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go the opposite direction of, of AC. Um, I think Coach V um, has a little bit more wiggle room because she can go up and and make more of an increase in wins. Going from where they were the last couple of years to uh, having a big season, I think would go a long ways to earn that confidence uh, that she has. But I don't think she needs it because I don't think her seat is is really hot. I also don't think Randy Ray's seat is hot, and there I've got a lot of different reasons for that. But I think another down year. All that does is turn the heat up on Randy Ray. Randy Ray is a legend at Weber State. He should he has earned the right to to stop coaching here, whatever he wants. It's, it should be on his terms. But 
I think two bad seasons in a row, you're going to start to hear those boo birds come out. And a lot of those fire Randy people are going to be very vocal on Twitter and uh, going to be calling the athletic department for his head. So uh, I think Randy's got to have the better season for that reason. Mm. John King, what do you think? So I'm going to agree with Sean. And I do think that, uh, uh, that, that Randy Ray is in more need of a good season. I mean, I, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. We were talking about women's basketball, but when coach V, you know, was hired by Weber state, it was a tremendous rebuild job that she was going to have to undergo and rebuilds take time. That's just how it is. I mean, she's in year, she's going to be going into year three. Um, she's just starting to get her players and, and, and uh, she's just starting to get her players in the program. And so I really think that, you know, the athletic department is going to give her, um, you know, a lot of time on that. Um, Coach Ray, I think, you know, it's a very bold call um, to bring in so many, um, you know, new faces to the basketball program this year. But it's a bold call that I think a lot of people would be, would say, like, you know, it's, 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 high, it's, it's high reward, don't get me wrong, but it's also high risk. So just for that fact alone, you know, there's a lot more risk in his season. So I think that he kind of needs to prove the naysayers and doubters wrong just a little bit more because of the huge risk that he just took this offseason. Hammer, meat, nail, John. That's exactly right. The, the risk reward on the men's side is, is way bigger. Uh, I want to keep it that, uh, that theme, you know, talking about that that transfer class for men's basketball and the, the kind of the risk reward. And so the question to the panel is which men's basketball unit will be more dominant, the front court or the back court? I'm saying the back court. I think this back court is just full of athleticism experience. I think the back court is going to be lights out this year. I think they can shoot well, they can attack the rack. They can, I mean, we saw the video of Tavion Percy jumping out of the gym. I think the back court is going to be just on fire this season. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I'll take I'll I'll take it, uh, Colby. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna disagree with AC here, and I am gonna go with the front court. Um, I said on previous podcasts, you know, I think that it's gonna take the offense a little bit of time um, to gel us uh, at the beginning of the season, just because you're bringing in so many new faces. Um, however, I expect the defense to be really, really good from uh, uh, from from minute one of the season, um, and that's gonna be anchored by both Dante Bassett and David Zekweze. And, you know, if you have those two big anchors on the defensive side of the floor, not only, you know, does that help limiting the number of uh, points the opposition can score, but also creates transition opportunities, which is where I think the offense is going to have to live at the beginning of the season. And so for that reason, I think that, you know, I expect this defense to be really, really good on the back end from day one. And for that reason, I think they're going to be more dominant during the season. Yeah, I think you're right. Can I push again? And and flip the coin and and oh. say, <laughs> I know Kobe's rolling his eyes at me right no now. No way, it's look, this or that. You you can't this, you can't look, Frisco Texas me this week. <laughs> John makes the great point. I think the front court is going to be more dominant on defense. I think the back court is going to be more dominant on offense. But here's where it comes down to me on in this: the NCAA basketball and the Big Sky, especially, is a guard driven league. If you're making buckets on the outside, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win a ton of games in the big sky. You're going to have a chance. But the the thing that makes me hedge on this, and I'm going to go backcourt. That backcourt's my answer because I think we can make the buckets. But if you've got a dominant big guy um, that you can feed and you can play a little bit of inside out, that opens up the outside shooting. It makes it a little bit easier. Um, and nobody in the big sky has a dominant big guy that can really dominate a game like that. And so if you've got a dominant big guy, and I think Dante Bassett may be that guy, 
maybe that's the the opportunity we have, but we've seen the trend in basketball. Everything's around the three-point line. you got to make buckets. So the backcourt's going to be more dominant because I think we're going to make a lot of three-pointers this year. Mm. Uh, this question, you know, mostly for AC, but I want to get uh, you all's takes here. Who will have the bigger impact for the women's volleyball team this year? Will it be Danny Nay or Ashlyn Powers? Oh, man, this one's so tough. In volleyball, the setter's the quarterback, right? Yep. And so the setter make, making all these decisions, trying to find the open lady. But the problem is that someone's got to be there to finish it. Somebody's got to be there to make the setter look good, too. And Danny Nay's that, that lady. And so I've got my money. Uh, I, I'm taking Danny Nay because she's the one that's going to finish it. So Danny Nay taking the young talent. Can, can uh, I take rip off this a little bit? They are the Stockton and Malone of Weber State basketball. One will not be successful without the other. That's so true. They, they've got they've got to be successful as a team and, and not individually. You, you've got to have both. Or using that analogy of Stockton, uh, Stockton and Malone, I think if you ask any NBA historian, the NBA historians would all agree that Carl uh, Malone was the better player than John Stockton. And for that reason, you know, I'm always going to side with the finisher here. And so I would say that Danny Nay is going to have a bigger impact just because, you know, you got to finish plays in volleyball and having a dominant outside hitter is just so, so important. I love Ashlyn Power. I love her. I love her. I it's love her, her. I do. It's her senior season, and absolutely, uh, she's gonna she's gonna be. But hang on, I gotta go back to Sean though. He literally didn't give us an answer. He didn't give us this or that. He both sides us. <laughs> give us an pick. answer. Yeah, you gotta pick. What a this or that. I, I'll continue. John Stockton is my favorite NBA player of all time, so I believe that ble- leads me to Ashlyn Power. Right? Okay, going with the senior. I, okay, I can respect that. All right, we just, we couldn't let that go. We just couldn't let it go. Fair. fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Which All-American will have a greater impact this season? Will it be Josh Davis or will it be Raspeed Shahid? I'll start on this one. Um, this, this is an interesting conundrum because you got you got the run. Somebody that's going to touch the ball more times in the game. You're, you're going to get up to 15 to 20 carries for, for Josh Davis. But for me, the explosiveness of the speed and, and Rashid Shahid, he's my favorite player on the team. Uh, the fact that he does the kick returns, if we can ever get a kick return without a hold, that's my one beef. Um, if we can get a kick return and and the way that he can be the long pass guy, um, he excites the crowd. Um, I, I think he's going to have a greater impact just because he can stretch the field and do it in, on, on special teams and on offense. I'm going to take Josh Davis. I think that I think that Josh Davis, his ability, the running game, can dominate an entire game. I think the special teams and Rashid Shahid is the absolute best at it in the entire country. I think that they can flip a game. I think that they can uh, give us a change of momentum, a spark. But overall impact, I think Josh Davis and the run game, that can dominate a game from the get-go. And so Josh Davis, All-American, Jerry Rice Award winner, he's my guy. I mean, we saw it against NAU last season, right? Josh Davis, wire to wire, just ran all over those guys. Ran for one million yards in one game. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. John King, what do you think? Josh Davis or Rashid Shahid? So I'm also going to take Josh Davis, and here is why. Um, I think you're going to see with Randall Johnson coming in and being a dual-threat quarterback, um, you've got to account for one more body in the run game, and that's – you know, going to lead to a lot more favorable boxes for Josh Davis to see this year. That's not something that he's seen in the past. So I think you're really going to see the best out of Josh Davis this year because he's going to see a lot of favorable run fronts for for him. There's going to be less people on the box that are in, in the box that are keying on him. 
specifically. And so, you know, he's been really, really good in the past, but I think that this year he's going to take a huge next step just because you've got to account for more bodies in the run game. Can we all right. just agree that it's a good problem to have to have both of those guys on your team? Almost. Oh, it's amazing. Most definitely, but yes. Two All-Americans, plus we got an All-American offensive lineman. Love it. Yeah, I think you're right, John, because, I mean, we've seen how good Josh Davis can be getting into the second level, and when he gets there, he can – I mean, he's he's slippery, man. You, you can't get him. He's just – and so with a more favorable box, the odds that he gets past the second level – go up because you like you said you have personnel committed to keeping potentially randall johnson in the pocket my goodness the yards he's going to be just second level a lot this year and he's going to be there so quickly just because you you're not going to know who has the ball because you know there's going to be a mesh point and you're not going to know who's going to have the ball and before you know it he's going to be four yards down the field and all you got to do is make one guy miss from there and then you know you got a 30 yard gain yeah and, and the safety's hung out to drive you guys have convinced me. Can I change my vote? No, no. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, we're going to go to our final game. This is a quick game, quick game, uh, because we've just played a 10-minute game. This is just over-under. So I'm going to give you a statement. You're going to tell me whether you take the over or under. And if you're going to give me an explanation, it's got to be quick. So the first of our three statements is men's basketball will win 16.5 games. No pushing you. allowed. I'm nope. taking no pushing I'm, allowed. I'm taking the under okay. only because I don't think we get to 20 games in the season. Okay, yeah, that was the, that was the biggest question mark here is how many games are we actually going to have? I don't know exactly. AC, what do you think? Over or under? 16.5. You're going to have to make a deep conference tournament run. I'm taking under. Yeah, if it's a 20, if it, if it's a 20 game season, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say over. Uh, sorry, under. Um, however, if we have a more traditional length season, I would say slightly, uh, I would say slightly over. Okay. The next one is football. We know that there will be an eight game season. We know that. So football will win 6.5 games. I'm taking the over. Okay. Over. Cause we're going undefeated in conference. We're going to win at least two playoff games. This is our year. I'm taking the over and it's not close. I like it. Yeah, I would have thought that the uh, you know this is where this is where the inner homer comes out. You know, I would have thought the number the line would have been set more at seven and a half. So since it's six and a half, I'm definitely going to hammer the over here um, because, like AC says, um, going to win at least seven more. Than, I, I I think they'll go eight and zero in the in, in the regular season, and then you win a couple playoff games, and that's an easy over. Okay, I am all in on the over on this one. Eight conference games. We are built to win right now. And I don't see us losing more than one in the big sky. And then so that gives you seven right there. That gives you the over. And then you've got the playoffs on top of that. So I am pushing all my chips to the center on the over for football, winning more than six and a half. Frisco. Frisco, here we come. Frisco is a big sky city, right? (laughs) So says Chappie last week. Uh, Finally, uh, this one I think might be a little bit more controversial. Women's basketball will win 10.5 games. AC, you're, you you got to you got to you got to make a move here, man. I need Tom. I need Tom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I I purposely said that we had to do uh, half games on this one, so we couldn't push. I right. so want to push on this no, one, you and I can't. Push. <laughs> no pushing. No pushing. It's ten and a half. I say we take the over. Oh, by one. They're getting okay. to eleven. If if this were eleven and a half, I would take the under. But I'm 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 gonna. I think we get to eleven. 
Okay, we, we priced it right. John King, what do you think? Over or under on this one? So I'm going to assume a 20-game season here, and in that particular case, I think that Weber State goes 500 this year and wins 10 games, so I'm going to take the under. Take the under, okay. All right, AC, you're up to bat. The first number that came to my mind was 10. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I'm taking the under. The thing is, this team has a ton of young talent. The right. only problem they have is every other team in the big sky is loaded with young talent. So I think we see a jump, but I think we're going to be at 10. I'm taking the under. Okay. Well, at least we didn't get any pushes on that. So I would call that a successful game. Uh, Really looking forward to when these sports get going again. Um, Unfortunately, there once again are no upcoming games or events this week. So we'll move into our wrap up. If you uh, want to get a hold of us, ask a, ask us a question, send us your thoughts. You can do so by emailing us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. This is a place where, you know, you have ideas. We'd love to hear them because obviously there's no sports going on. So if you got segment ideas, send them our way. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just go ahead and look up Weber State Weekly. You'll find us there. And finally, we have a website, WeberStateWeekly.com, where you can find our past blog posts where we introduce you to the members of the team and also where there will potentially be future segments uh, or future pieces on our blog talking about Weber State sports. So with that, I want to thank you all for spending the time listening to Weber State Weekly this week. We thought had a lot to chat about, as we say Each week, Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 (laughs) Go Wildcats.